This is Carolyn Holly. Welcome to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. For the next half hour, you're going to be encouraged and challenged by Skip and his guests as they discuss the game plan for life. In sports, as in life, it's important to have a game plan. And as Skip says, no game plan, no victory. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Dutch Bros of Boise, an experience guaranteed to satisfy. Therapeutic Associates Physical Therapy, your partner in health. Bacon, you gotta love it. And Summer's Funeral Home, every life leaves a legacy. The Eagle and North End 76 stations and on-the-fly service station on Collister and State. McDowell Specialty Repair. Susie Boyle Mortgage Team and Castle and Cook Mortgage LLC. Stop by their new location at 512 North 13th Street in Boise, online at sboyle.castlecookmortgage.com. And now, here's your host for Game Plan for Life, Skip Hall. Welcome to Game Plan for Life. This is your host, Skip Hall. Well, today our special guest is Walter Bailey. Walter was a, uh, a star football player at the University of Washington and then uh, kind of slid and got into the wrong lane and actually lived on the streets for a while. But we're going to hear Walter's story. It's one of the most fascinating stories that I've come across, and I want Walter to tell it in his own words. But first of all, Walter, welcome to Game Plan for Life. Thank you, Coach. Paul, um, this is a, it's a, it's an honor. Um, and, uh, a lot of times we, I've never been able to, uh, really formally meet you and, and, uh, been following you my whole entire, uh, adult life, um, actually before that. So, uh, I'm very pleased. Well, we're delighted to have you, Walter. And, uh, let's start by you going back, uh, where you grew up and kind of walk us, uh, up, up to the point where you, uh, you slid a bit. Um, born and raised here in Portland, Oregon. Um, the youngest of, uh, of six, uh, siblings, um, here in Portland, two loving, compassionate, uh, caring parents in Portland. Grew up, um, Christian. Um, also grew up, uh, in sports. Um, my, my first sport that I ever did was, was track and field. I think, um, they couldn't keep me off the track. All my, uh, five brothers and, and my uh, my four brothers, excuse me, uh, and uh, older sister would run track, so I would always run on the track. And so by the age of five or six, they just couldn't they couldn't harness that energy. Yeah. And so uh, so track and field was basically my first love and my first sport. Well, uh, you were pretty good at, at running. I know that, uh, and and that's that's uh, what kind of propelled you through your high school career. And then into uh, college at the University of Washington. Tell us about your your uh, career, high school and college. Yeah, my my high school career. I went to Benson Polytechnic High School here in Portland, Oregon. Yep. Um, three sports um, athlete. Um, sports was uh, it was my my wavelength um, to connection. My wavelength to connection with people. I um, I, I loved it. It was. It was a way for me to release energy, um, emotions. Um, I could be a, a totally different person um, playing sports. And so I gravitated to uh, football, basketball, um, and track. 
Yeah, um, you were. <laughs> so, uh, that was uh, that that was that that was my thing. I I found out uh, pretty quickly um, that sports was kind of an avenue that was going to be um, the route for me to possibly grow into the next um, phase of development in life, which was probably college. And so uh, quickly I learned by my sophomore year, I started getting letters that um, sports could be um, an avenue for me to uh, uh, continue on. You bet. You bet. And then you went to the University of Washington. And I know you had a great career there. And if I'm not mistaken, I think you were MVP of one of the Rose Bowls. Well, no, not a, not a Rose Bowl, but I can say this: I had a yes, I had a great career coach. But I, but I also can tell you this: is um, before getting to the University of Washington, I had to um, go to Western Washington University. Okay. Like, so one year, my my freshman year, uh, because of not passing my SAT. I went to, I want to make sure I get the story correct. You bet. Um, you bet. Is um, uh, going to Western Washington uh, for three quarters, and um, I played football there. And uh, it was a great experience. Um, Western Washington uh, Vikings. So from that, I transitioned um, back home, um, had to get 12 more credits um, or eight credits, and I did that, and then transferred into the University of Washington. 1989. Okay. Okay, so you played the three seasons there? Well, no, no, no. I, played, I, I only played one season at, uh, at, at Western. Right. And then transferring, I, have, I was pretty unique. I haven't seen it done since then, but I um, redshirted, and then I had three years to right, play. Right, right, right. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Well, listen, I know that uh, the, the football career was, was instrumental in your life, and and uh, somewhere along the way, you kind of slid off the, the path and got in the wrong lane. So let's talk about that. Right. So, yeah, going back to high school, um, there was some, some things that possibly altered my development. And basically, what I can tell you, Coach, was behaviorally. Right. So I can tell you behaviorally, Walter was experiencing issues at a very young age. And what those issues were um, that I can look back, those challenges were people-pleasing things, right? Mm. Wanting to have the attention of others, but going at that in the wrong manner, right? So um, those behaviors were kind of started stemming, since I can remember by the, probably at the age of eight. And so what happened by the time I was, in the eighth grade, these behaviors were so um, instrumental that I was getting in trouble, right? And I hadn't used any um, uh, drugs or alcohol or anything, but for some strange reason, I probably could have used one because there were uh, stimulating factors that were going on from family, um, outside things that I didn't know how to deal with. So by the time I was transitioning to high school coach, I picked up my first drink, right? Mm-hmm. And that was um, for me being a bottle count um, at a store right across the street from my house. And um, California Cooler. So I wound up taking that, that sip, and it was, it was delicious. It was like the sense of ease and comfort that comes along with that, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that that was going to propel me 
to the next adventure a uh, couple months later once I got to high school. I get to high school, and the next thing I know, I have some uh, some some relations with some people uh, that were experimenting with marijuana, and so I did that. I didn't like it, but after kind of doing that a few different times, it kind of was like, okay, it kind of made me relax and all of these different things. So that became habitual for me um, over the course of easing into it. It wasn't every day, but it started to kind of progress throughout my years um, in high school and the intervals of how I was using that and drinking and playing sports. Um, it was all calculated. So it wasn't like it was every day during high school, but the intervals started picking up from Fridays to Saturdays, right? And mm -hmm. then it stayed in those intervals, but it, it started to be like more frequent, right, on those weekend occasions. And so I carried that with me when I went to um, Western as well as the University of Washington. And, yes, there was times where I had abstinence. There was times where I had um, abstinence, but not with drinking. Mm. I continued to drink. And um, the drinking became the ideal of, in my head, I think back then, should I say um, it was ease and comfort, but it was also uh, the crutch that I could depend on. Right. Right. So dependence on that was relaxation, unwind, um, and then glorious. The glorious part of it is when we win, what do you do? You celebrate, right? So a lot of times, oftentimes, I'm celebrating by myself. Um, I kept I kept my stuff pretty secretive, mm -hmm. right? I think there were other people that had an idea, but I I was one of those um, those people that ventured by myself. I did the solo thing because I felt a lot of. Um, things with myself. So I did a lot of self-searching. Um, and, you know, with me, by myself, that's not always the best company when you don't have the proper tools. Right, 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 right. So after college, um, let's talk about what, what transpired after college. After college, um, yes. And I had a great career at the University of Washington. Uh, we went to three Rose Bowls. Uh, we won a we were a part of a national championship. All I think right. I'm third all time, right, in, in interceptions. And so transitioning coach, what I can tell you, my buildup to um, my senior year and after being disappointed in my performance, I thought I was going to be a first-round draft pick. Um, I had an agent. I had aspirations of, uh, you know, being a Hall of Famer in the NFL, and it didn't work out like that. I wound up getting cut from the New York Giants first sport I was ever cut from was um, uh, at that time, 1993, I'll never forget it, in July, um, I get the call from Dan Reeves, and, and basically he was in tears. He said, man, as a free agent, you would have been on this team. Unfortunately, you tested positive for marijuana and alcohol, and those were his exact words to me. He said, Walter, I hope that you get your life in order because you can play at this level. And, Coach, I cried like a baby um, for possibly four or five hours. I called my agent. He got me um, connected with the Sacramento Gold Miners, 
in uh, Sacramento, the first American uh, Canadian football team. There was an expansion team. Got on a plane probably a day later and played, uh, gosh, I think I played in 14 games um, there. So I played the rest of the season. And that was my professional career. And after that, um, of course, there goes those behaviors, the drinking. Um, there was no smoking uh, marijuana at that time. It was like I was locked in um, doing what I needed to do. I got traded in 1994 um, to the um, Edmonton um, Eskimos. They were the defending Great Cup champions. Mm-hmm. And what happened was I got cut from that team. I didn't want to sign a second-year agreement because I wanted to play uh, the my extension. It was a two-year contract. So I was on the second-year extension, and I just wanted to play it out. I wanted to go to the NFL, and they gave me a grace period. I didn't sign it. They cut me in four days. Hmm. So that's when the tornado really, really uh, came in full force. And, Coach, I tell you, from 1994, it just was a steady uh, current and wave of events. It was negativity. It was um, a lot of hiding. It was uh, more drinking, more escaping. Then other substances started coming in. It was the total darkness. It was the abyss of what we call the target that I was hit with. Yeah, wow, wow. Well, let's fast forward a little bit here. And uh, I know I, I read something about, um, it was 2010, I believe, and the drugs were gone, the liquor was gone, the sun was up, but you couldn't see. You couldn't see it because you're laying in the darkness of a, in a dope house in Portland. About mm-hmm. a, about a mile from where you grew up, mm-hmm. and the windows were taped over with black garbage bags. There was no electricity, no water, no light, no heat, and I guess you called it a dungeon chamber of misery. Yeah. And uh, and then continuing on, I think you were forty year yeah forty years old and frail, withered remains of a Rose Bowl hero. You were drowning mm-hmm. in addiction and undiagnosed depression. Father of two girls for whom you were incapable of caring, couldn't keep a job, uh, much less anything else. So it was uh, it was quite a quite a desperation for you, I'm sure. So here you're hiding in the darkness in the dungeon, and then everything changed. So let's talk about how everything changed. Yeah, everything changed, Coach. Um, uh, God does all things well and i i was so removed um from god i i can tell you this what happened for me what i would always uh when when i was desperate and i needed something i was always doing the foxhole uh prayers what happened for me i had a best friend uh since the second grade and he had been sober for four years and he would always uh periodically reach out and I was always avoiding him like the plague, right? Um, and when he could catch me, right, he'd pick me up, and we'd uh, go to, like, a meeting, and and we'd go to, to eat. But I called him. It was it was a, a situation that happened, and um, a, a lady um, that I knew in my addiction, it was like her leaving this treatment center and relapsing with another uh, person, and then once that stuff was gone, for some reason, she said 12 steps doesn't work, Coach, and I don't know why. I just 
I cannot, that's the phenomenon. I don't know why, but something clicked in my head and I started to cry and I said, no, that is not true because I've seen it work in you. When you go away from this place and I don't hear from you, things start to happen for you. You put your life back together. And I don't know why, but that lady left and I called my best friend and he didn't answer immediately, and it wasn't my phone, whoever I was calling, or whoever's phone I was using. But my best friend called back in about 15 minutes, and he asked me two questions. He said, Walter, are you willing to go to any length for your sobriety? And I said, I don't know. He said, if I come and get you, you're going to be with me. Are you willing to do that? And I said, man... I will do whatever. He said, I'll get your stuff, and I'll be, I'll be there in about 15 minutes. He was there in about 15 minutes, and i tell you what, Coach, it was like seeing Jesus Christ come back. Um, when he opened the door of his car, I was peeking out those uh, the garage tape, I mean the garbage bag tape <laughs> uh, window, and I, it was instantaneously I feel that my God came in the form of my best friend. Mm. And he smiled, the gleam, the the illumination of light filled me. And once I hugged him, Coach, it was the most miraculous, sensational buzz that I've ever had, and I never, ever from that point have had a substance, a liquid, solid, or gas. God filled me, and I started my quest, and to rekindle my relationship with the Father, yes, my God of my understanding, mm-hmm. has been amazing. Yeah. I have not been perfect in following every single day, but I do my best, and that is my salvation. Mm. Well, with God, all things are possible, and I think you're a great <laughs> example of that. And, uh, yeah, so as I, as I studied your story, uh, one of the most remarkable comebacks, stories I've heard, um, it kind of reminded me of, of here's, a, here's a guy that was a hopeless dope addict, and now he's a dopeless hope addict. And, and <laughs> yeah. that's exactly, well, I think what happened in your life, and, and now you've got a lot of wonderful things going on, and what you're doing, I want you to tell us about that. Yeah, um, currently now, I work for Central City Concern. It's one of the bigger nonprofits here in Portland, Oregon. Um, And I uh, work for the Imani Center. And we are a culturally-specific service uh, for um, African-American individuals getting into mental health Mm -hmm. and addictions treatment. Um, Now, my my new adventure is called Dynamic Athlete Solutions. And what Dynamic Athlete Solutions um, is about, we're going to be... doing a variety of different things, but the main thing that I would like uh, to do, I'm going to be joining forces with uh, colleges and and athletes, and what we um, plan to do, we want to be skilled in what we do. Um, I work in the behavioral health um, field, and what I've learned about myself and the professionals that I've worked with, they have given me a platform because I had no idea I was working on myself the whole time in, in my profession, right? They were like, Walter, you don't know how great you are with the skills that you've learned in behavioral health. You can take that, and that translates 
that translates to mm-hmm. helping other people that were just like you. And I said, wait, I never thought of that. So it's been something since 2002, um, but now, man, in 2000 um, or 2010, once I got sober, um, there was some, some things that I thought about. I, you know, there were just pipe dreams. But 2011, there was a friend of mine that was like, look, man, I really see it that you're going to be doing something with athletes. And I didn't really listen to it, coaching. It was, it, I did listen. It wasn't like I didn't. But that gentleman happened to pass away um, a year and a half later, and he was really close to me. And I just kept that. 2015, I started doing some writing, um, just some ideas. 2017, I really put some stuff down. Now I've built um, a, a phenomenal, I call them the dream team, uh, some, some doctors and mental health professionals. And our goal is to not only be skilled in presenting um, to colleges, not just my story, but just different things that athletes go, um, go through. Our whole goal is to be thoughtful of coaches. That's the main thing, mm. and universities. We're not coming to the debate to tell people about how they should be coaching and what they should do. We want to give them a leg up on behaviors that can enhance their coaching as well as, as, well as be able to have more awareness when it comes to mental health, substance use disorder, and uh, diversity, and also like suicidal ideation and cultural um, uh Cultural diversity um, and inclusion, um, things that, uh, that, that impact our society in, in such a uh, devastating way, um, that's, the, that's the things that we want to provide. We want to provide that awareness, but it's going to be very skilled. So there will be, like, trainings. Uh, we want to have some, some different educational things that we have. But interviewing the, the players, um, and it doesn't have to be one sport, right? We want to target football, but we want them all. And sure. this is not just for sports. We're, we're starting in sports, but this is for everybody. Our mantra is this. Mental health is everybody's game mm. and their well-being. So that's our, that's our, our, our mission. Wow. Wow. Such powerful stuff, Walter. Uh, man, I tell you, I'm, I'm so proud of you, and I know a lot of other people feel the same way. And uh, we want to wish you nothing but uh, success as you move forward. Um, do you have a website or anything where people could go to if they want to learn some more? I, I, we do. And right now it's under construction, but, but people can go to it and, and take a look. Um, yeah, we, we love the, the, uh, the looks of it. It's dynamic. It's www.dynamicathletesolutions.com. So right now we're still onboarding. Um, we're not up and running, but the exciting part is, uh, you know, we're meeting fascinating people. We're putting um, things together uh, succinctly. Um, so we're doing things right. You know me, I, I want to jump the gun, but the reality of it is is we want to be prepared um, for this because we know the need, but we also know that there's going to be um, a lot of people uh, that uh, we're able to touch, and, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to help us. So, yeah, we're not we're not going to shy away from anybody that can help because that's what it is. It's all of us working together in harmony, and that's what I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, Walter, for you, you know, probably what seemed like the end of your life actually turned out to be the beginning. And uh, it opened the door and the light came in, and now you're doing some wonderful things, helping people. Uh, there's nothing better than that, reaching out and, and helping others. So we, uh, we've we got just a couple of minutes left here. And uh, anything else, Walter, that, that uh, in your story that you'd like to share that or uh, with uh, our listening audience that would be important? Yeah, I, I think... You know, like you said, Coach, um, the new beginning, the new beginning is what is a person's sincerity of purpose? And that's the thing that I would like to leave with the, with the audience is what is your sincerity of purpose, right? Something that I think about my sincerity of purpose is this, is how can I trust God? Mm. How can I help others? Mm. And how can I clean up the wreckage? of my past, right? And I do those things in increments of eight hours. So we only have 24 hours in a day, so there's always some work to do, right? And the biggest thing that I realized is this, is um, the success that you've had, Coach, being a coach, you've been phenomenal. You've helped so many athletes and all of these things. I've always looked up to you. Your son was one of our assistant coaches, and so, Coach Hall, you reign supreme to me in my heart. And also what I realized this um, this morning is true success is defined by this. True success is defined by a person standing atop of their past failures. Mm, boy, that's good. Yep, that is really good, Walter. Well, we've been talking with Walter Bailey, a fascinating story, a great comeback story, and uh, we want to just uh, thank you so much, Walter, for being a guest with us today, and we hope that uh, the work that you're doing, the ministry that you're doing, reaching out and helping a lot of young people, you know, that need somebody to, to look up to, to, to be a role model to, and uh, you're that man, Walter, and uh, we want, again, we wish you the best. God bless you. Thank you for being a guest on Game Plan for Life. Amen. Thank you, Coach. It was a blessing. I loved it. All right. Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall is brought to you by the following sponsors. Hollingshead Eye Center, see the difference experience makes. For more information, 208-336-8700. Christian Brothers Automotive. Security Gold and Silver, a reliable source for your bullion investment. Domino's. Oh, yes, we did. Rocket Express Car Wash, it's a blast. Diamond Heating and Cooling, Boise Prostodontics, and Hoffman Auto Body. Hoffman Auto Body, someone you can trust. Thank you for listening to Game Plan for Life with Skip Hall. This is Carolyn Holly inviting you to listen at this same time on this same station next Saturday as Skip and his guests go over the Game Plan for Life. Have a great weekend, and remember... No game plan, no victory.